want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan here in Ann Arbor. I am your truly Nick Bonger, along with the great Austin Meek. I think a ghost just opened, a ghost just opened the door. Uh, we're one of those, haunted. One of those weeks. Austin, how are we doing? Good? <laughs> All right. I like, I shout out to the person on Twitter who uh, welcomed me to my first Pitchfork Week oh, yes. in Michigan. Yes. <laughs> uh, an annual tradition that apparently we all know. It's and always an interesting moment uh, when you first see that, when you're like, whoa, okay, well, I guess people are paying attention on mm-hmm. <laughs> there a little bit. But obviously we've got plenty to unpack here today. Uh, Michigan drops a uh, a big game. I mean, it was another one of these big road games, right? We talked about that last week. Uh, 35-14 in a, in a game that wasn't even close to 35-14. Uh, overwhelmed in all areas. Uh, out coached, was hard, out coached, out prepared, out everything. The whole, the whole shot, just physically embarrassed. Um, the worst loss in terms of in, you know level of play and being able to compete in a game that they've probably had under Harbaugh. I would think, considering the talent they have for sure and some of the experience, certainly the worst. Um, before we get into Harbaugh today, I do want to spend some time to go back on what we saw because it's notable, right? And a lot of the same things that we've seen through the first two games reappeared and against a team like that you're not going to get out of that yeah pretty pretty stunning i was i was stunned i don't know maybe people who have been around michigan long enough to kind of predict these things Mm -hmm. uh, in a game like this maybe maybe people saw that coming i didn't yeah i mean i you know i i thought there was a good chance wisconsin would win but i thought michigan would be competitive right when it was 28 to nothing at halftime and 35 to nothing in in the third quarter i mean the final score you know you look at it it's not the most lopsided Defeat of Jim Harbaugh's time, right? Uh, but to me, thirty-five nothing is more <laughs> indicative of the game than thirty-five fourteen. Um, you know, at, at that point, I think Wisconsin just kind of said, you know, yes. okay, we've we've won the game. Uh, yeah, I I don't know, I don't know where you go from that. I mean, if Michigan had lost a close game, I think we'd be sitting here saying, you know, it's disappointing. Uh, they have some things to fix, but they've got the whole season in front of them and. They're still alive to do mm-hmm. all the things that they wanted to accomplish this year, but I just don't know how you come back from thirty-five nothing. Maybe they'll do it, but yeah. it's, it's a tough road. That was undoubtedly the worst half of football in the Harbaugh tenure, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to. Th- I, I was trying to think on Saturday of one that I can remember back with Hoke that was worse, and maybe there was one somewhere in there. But I always felt like <laughs> twenty-eight nothing at halftime was. I don't think Hoke ever had that either. I think he at, at least scored. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that would happen. They get a couple stops or something, um, but to, yeah, to be thoroughly handled that badly and thoroughly outcoached that badly and outtoughed and everything else on the road again in another big game again, where you're trying to prove that you're a contender and you can't do it. So, where you're, I can see where you're coming from, it's interesting that we have differing perspectives. Where it's interesting where somebody with the fresher eyes on it is shocked by that. Yeah. And for someone like me, I think it's yes, it's surprising and, and sort of jarring. Because I thought that given the talent they have, maybe it would be different. But I don't think I would say I was shocked because I feel mm. like, and as I wrote kind of on Saturday, I have seen that game before on, <laughs> on different levels. Not to that level, not that bad, but every time they go on the road in these situations, barring that Ohio State game in 2016, which, you know, maybe we look back someday and say that's the one that broke everybody because that yeah. was one you just can't get, seem to get over. 
They competed in that game. They were in that game. You know, they made some mistakes at the end, and they lost that game. Um, but, you know, I go back and look at, at Penn State in 2017, boat raced. At Wisconsin in 2017, boat raced. Um, last year at Notre Dame, destroyed. Last year at Ohio State, destroyed. Um, and I feel like there's one more somewhere in there, maybe in the first year. I can't remember what it was, but I don't think they ever got housed in the first year like that. But those are the moments. It's 0-6 now against top-level, top-20 teams on the road, and those moments where it's like, I got you. Just have to have those games. I mean, they're just they're, it's only one game. It's only one loss, right? So in the in the scheme of a schedule, why is that one more important than a home game? Well, technically, it's not. But I just those are the games that championship teams win. You find a way to win when it's uncomfortable. You find a way to get through it. You find a way to survive it, and you don't show up just kind of hapless and lost and just get outclassed in every area. And then maybe you scrap together a few things at the end, like the Notre Dame game last year to start mm-hmm. the season. They were down twenty-one nothing in like yeah. two quarters. And, you know, it was like, and they get back at the end and they wanted to say, well, we made it a game. And it's like, well, you, you, but you spent the first half of it totally overwhelmed by the situation in the moment. You weren't ready to play. And those are the things that are jarring in year five that Michigan, that Jim Harbaugh, because it's him. I mean, that he has not figured out a way how to get this team to do the things on the road in those uncomfortable situations that he, as a player, thrived on. Mm-hmm. And he, in his previous stops. Yeah thrived on. 49ers were winning road playoff games like they were scrimmages in a high school parking lot. I mean, they were they were doing all these things. He went and beat, I think it was a, yeah, he went and beat USC with a horrible Stanford team in oh, the yeah. Coliseum as a 42-point underdog. Yeah, biggest point spread upset in the history of college football right. at the time. Yeah. And the best road win he's had at Michigan was a 21-7 win last year over a crap Michigan State team that was falling out of the top 25. They were like 24 on their way to nothing. Mm-hmm. That's the best one. And every other time it's been a challenge, they haven't had it. And 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 again, like there's been a lot of things over the years where you, you build to this and it's like year one is year one. Two, you're building, you're building, you're replacing in year three and you're building again. And there's some, you have to be able to look at it with some patience because they're trying to build a program. But now this program is what it is now. It's year five. We know what the program is. And, and it, it it's not there. The toughness is not there mentally. And I will not put that on on player effort. I don't think that that's a situation at all. I think those kids try everything they, you know, they're college kids. I think they try and do everything they can do. Sure. And it's about how they're led. And it's, you know, Harbaugh said today, we're looking inward. He's looking inward. And first time we probably ever heard him say that, which was, hmm. that to me. So, you know, you talk about being shocked by the result. <laughs> that to me is a little shocking because we've never heard him say that. Yeah, which is, which is interesting. I mean, I think if there's one thing that that you would have expected from Jim Harbaugh's teams so that they'd be tough. Um, 100%. Yeah. It, for me, coming into it, that's the thing that I think has been the most surprising is that that has been the consistent criticism of yeah. this team is that they're not tough enough to win those big boy games, especially yeah. on the road. Because uh, it's just it's Jim Harbaugh's whole persona. It's his whole personality. Yeah. Uh, and figuring out where that, that disconnect is uh, is, is I think the real challenge here is just it, this is different than any other football team I think I've ever been around mm-hmm. because it is it, in a way it's just predictable. Yeah. I mean every pretty much every team I've covered with the exception of Kansas which just sucked every single <laughs> yeah, week. <right. laughs> pretty much every team I've covered like there would be a couple games every year where they would come out and they would just suck and you wouldn't yeah. see it coming uh, and they play bad and maybe they'd lose to somebody that they were supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be a couple games every year where they come out, they're playing somebody they're not supposed to beat, 
And then you're, you're like, who is this team? Yeah. Like, it happens all the time in college football. I mean, college football oh, is yeah. such Every week. an yes. upset-driven sport. But it's like with Michigan, it's just, you know, it's it's like a A or B answer. It's like, are they playing at home? Are they favored? They're going to win. Are they Probably playing by on, a lot. <laughs> are they playing on the road? Are they an underdog? They're going to lose. Yes. Like, it's... You can almost see it coming from yeah. hundred miles away, and yeah, that's where and that's where I land on I'm not really being surprised that you know maybe surprised to, to your point of, of being thoroughly handled like mm-hmm. that, but you know the the no way you know can you pick the I mean I I mean somebody asked me in the live chat what do you think will win I said I don't know I'll say Michigan Michigan State win the game I have no idea but in the back of my mind I'm like it's going to take a different kind of effort for Michigan to do this because it if if it's the same as we've seen in the past it's not going to work and. How at this point can we look at it in any other way other than saying it's the head coach? Because it's like it's the way you prepare. Mm -hmm. It's the way you put things together. It's the way you challenge guys in practice. It's the way you prepare during a season. I mean, they had fall camp for a month. And I got to tell you, with the offense installed, not really sure what happened in that month. Because we had (laughs) here we are three games into the season looking at them. And they're 0 of 10 on third down. They can't do anything. And it's just like... You know, I mean, the, the, I understand, I think, a little bit of what they're trying to do, but nobody really seems to know what they're supposed to do, and they're playing slower than they are, and you see guys making mistakes that normally they wouldn't make, and that's just the function of a disorganized situation. And Harbaugh has had bouts of that in the past, uh, of disorganization, and he had some of that in San Francisco with the 49ers, probably some of that at Stanford as well, uh, but a lot of times they've been able to grind through it because those old teams were just really, really tough mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michigan's teams in the early tenure there, that 16 team was really, really talented. They had like 12 NFL players on it. Um, so I, I don't know how else to square it other than, you know, he says today, you know, I've got to look inward. That's embarrassing. Everyone saw it. I mean, I can't, you know, what, how, what else are you supposed to say at that point? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I look back on the first team that he had here in a transition year, and it's it's part of why Harbaugh's worked so well, okay? Like, he comes into these places, he walks into the room, and just by walking into the room alone, his presence intimidates people in a, in a way, in almost a good way, in that it maybe intimidates the wrong word, but it's it, it does something to people in a way that they get they get the thing in the pit of their stomach yeah. saying, I've got to be able to push beyond myself now because I really respect this guy and I need to get his approval. And the mm-hmm. only way I'm going to do that is if I go above what I can be yeah. and I give everything I have and then I find five more percent or something. Gravitas. Yeah, right. You, yeah. And then he draws that line in the sand and everybody's like, I got to be on that line. I got to be with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that was the case in year one. That was the case for the most part in year two. And when it didn't, you know, when they had to replenish in year three, that kind of went away when they had a lot of young guys. And... Somewhere along the way, seven and seventeen, there were some issues there where they were young and they weren't very good. They had some injuries, and we just haven't seen that in the last couple of years. And maybe it's something that you know we talk about when he got hired. People talk about it all the time. You know, he was at Stanford, and when he left Stanford, there weren't a lot of people that were like, "Oh boy, uh, I wish he was still here." I mean, some were. Right. And then when he yeah, left San Francisco, yeah. it was kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And some were like, "I wish, I wish he was still here." But there's some. There, it's not irrelevant that the same thing isn't going to always work, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to adjust your. You're gonna have to read the room maybe a little bit better, right. and uh, and maybe that's the, the challenge that he has to have now. Yeah, I, th- I mean the thing that's always said about Jim Harbaugh is that he's just super intense yeah. and he wears on people. And yeah. and you're right, I think that intensity initially, I'm sure, uh, causes people to elevate, yeah. yeah, elevate themselves to another level. But maybe three or four or five years of that, yeah. uh, especially without seeing the results at the highest level. 
can make you start to tune it out a little bit. Yeah. And and so I think we'll see. You know, he clearly was uh, at least you know speaking to the idea of looking inward today. It, it's it's hard to believe that a guy you know this far into his coaching career is going to make a lot of changes in how he does business. But you know he hired Josh Gaddis. He's yeah. shown a willingness to uh, to do some different things, and it's clear that he needs to do that because what they're doing now isn't working. I you know, th- there's been a lot of talk about identity, yeah. uh, Michigan looking for its identity, and I, I think you and I kind of had the same read on that, which is like. You don't get to just say, "Okay, this is our identity." Like sure. I, gar- yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. guarantee you, Michigan's going to beat Rutgers, sure. like forty-two to seven. <laughs> they're going to come out and think. say, "We've discovered our identity." Yeah, yeah. Like you don't get to say that after Rutgers, yeah. <laughs> but not after Wisconsin. And you know, it is like your identity is who you are. Like, You're, yes, and we, you know, we saw that, and I, it just it, but to that point, it does seem like they are stuck a little bit in the middle. Because like we talked to John Runyon after the game, uh, we talked to John Runyon Monday, mm-hmm. uh, and both times he brought up like you know how much they threw the ball in the second half, which they had to do because they were down big, uh, but essentially making the point like you know when was the last time Michigan threw the ball this much like this sure, is yeah. not who we are. Yeah. You know I, I think that that there's still that tension between it's like they haven't really embraced the idea. That this is who we are, or that this is who we should be. Like yeah. we should be a team that, that throws it a lot because that's where our playmakers are. I think there's still a desire, even with the the scheme change and the change in philosophy, to be that Michigan team that can go out there and do what Wisconsin did, which oh, is right. put seven offensive linemen on the field and yep. just pound it down your throat. And you're stra- they're straddling the line of of being they want to be a physical run first football team, but they also have all these athletes at receiver that they want to get the ball to and they don't really know how to do it. And you're straddling the line between two different offenses and all of a sudden you wind up in an unfortunate situation that Michigan went through when Brady Hope was here with Al Borges, where they were trying to run two different situations it seemed like at times um, and when you try to do two things at once, it doesn't really work. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the stuff that they've installed makes a whole lot of sense and uh you know all on paper of course like the, being a run pass option heavy team is a good thing that's not a bad thing that's that's a good thing uh but you know how you install those how you teach those how you rep those in practice um is is what's going to make you good at that and so just saying we're going to be a run pass option team and we're going to rely on that sort of thing is one thing but to install it with an expertise that allows everyone on the roster especially the quarterback and the receivers but mostly the quarterback um, to understand how all those things work and how and how to rep that. That's a separate situation altogether, and that is being taught by a guy who's never done this before, and mm-hmm. that is not nothing. And you know, it's something that a lot of us tried to talk about back in January, and nobody wanted to hear it, of course. But you know, when you come out and say we're a pro spread, I don't know what that means. And so when I go forward here, and I remember trying to think in the offseason, like what does that mean? I don't know what that means. It, it sounds like it's two things at once. And then the more he talked, I was like, okay, well, maybe that's just a word or a phrase he used. But now as I go into it more, it's like, you know, you're still trying to straddle a certain area and you haven't committed to the other. And it's just kind of like you're, you're in this weird in-between zone, like you said. And it just it just doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, and then on top of that, when you talk about program identity, your football team 
in high school, in college, in the NFL, your program, team, whatever, is defined by how it performs and how it responds in uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. It is not defined in, 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 in whatever about how it performs against a 28-point underdog at home in front of 110,000 people. That is not how you define <laughs> a football team's ability to be successful in champi- of a championship caliber. It is defined by how you perform when you go on the road to Camp Randall against a very good Wisconsin team and whether or not you can come to play that day. Because... When Alabama has to go play somebody on the road, they win the game, or they're you know they're not getting outclassed more more often than not. When Ohio State has to go play somebody on the road, you know they've lost some of those games to be sure, but they've won so many close games that mm-hmm. even when they didn't have their fastball, they figured it out because they knew how to do that, and that's why their program is what it is. And Michigan's lost that; they've lost that, and they haven't been able to find it. Um, for the last three coaching staffs, and uh, you know Harbaugh, I think, and that's why people are frustrated because I think Harbaugh was the guy that people thought he's going to come in here and he's going to fix the mental toughness problem. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there have been bouts of that. There's been times where it's where it's looked like they're on their way, and then it, something. Whenever they look like they're on their way, the inevitable fallout happens shortly thereafter, and it's just it's the sign of a team that's not mentally tough enough to do it. And that's the that's on coaching because I, I I can't sit here and say that any college football team who goes through what these guys go through is is losing because of lack of effort or is mm-hmm. not performing because of lack of effort. I'm not gonna like Jordan Glasgow is running all over the place doing everything he can in yeah. the game. He's trying everything he can. I mean those offensive linemen, Shea Patterson, name name them, all of them. They're all doing everything they can in a game, but they're buried in quicksand because they're not mentally prepared. And that's that's one thousand percent on your head coach, and that's why. Your head coach in college football is the most important thing possible, right? It's the mm-hmm. most – like college – I always say this, like college football, college basketball, maybe it's other, in other college sports. The head coach is so important, and it's, it's important in pros, but when talent and pros are around and they know how to work and they know how to do those things, I mean, sometimes the head coach is just like, you've just got to get out of the way and let these guys do their thing. Right. But it's on the coach now, and, you know, Harbaugh's had that issue of – he goes to the he goes to the NFL. He works around adults for all this time, and he goes back to college. And he's got to recalibrate, read the room. He's got to mm-hmm. recalibrate how he handles things with younger kids, and it's just not there. And uh, boy, I just don't know what you do here in week four to change that. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a start of a process that you're just going to have to build it. And but for anyone expecting an immediate change, I, I don't know. I think it's going to have to be something they have to build up to. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Coming out of the NFL, uh, you know he's he he's getting older, and the kids are staying the same age. Yeah, you know, to, to, right. to quote the movie line, to quote uh, Wooderson. So, so, yeah, right. so that uh, that gap, you know, just keeps getting bigger. Uh, and, and yeah, he's got to you know he's got to somehow tap into that ability that he's shown. I mean, at Stanford, at San Diego, he, he mm-hmm. showed the ability oh, yeah. uh, to be a, a very effective college head coach. But 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 the game has changed. Um, and and the the and pressure, people have changed, yeah, 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 and the pressure that that he's under here is just different than than anything I'm sure yeah. uh, that he's experienced. I, I mean, it, it really is. I, I was just thinking the other day. It's like you watch him, uh, and you watch him in you know in just in the limited time that we spend around him. It's like, is this guy having fun? Like, is this fun? Because it doesn't look fun. I mean, maybe he's having a blast. You know, maybe maybe yeah. he goes home every day, uh, he hangs out with his kids. Yeah. He's got his dad next door. Maybe he's he's loving it. But just when we see him, it doesn't look like a lot of fun. No. Because the the pressure here is is so relentless. 
Uh, and there's now just this this narrative that has has solidified that Jim Harbaugh's program can't win the big game, and they've earned that. You know, yeah. you, you can't say that that's just you know a, a media narrative. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they've earned that, and they've got to somehow they've got to change it. But you just think you know, they've had so many chances to do that uh, and have consistently not been able to do it. So what, as you said, what can they do now in in week four of the season? Uh, to somehow find that that formula uh, at this point when when they haven't been able to find it now for for four years. Yeah, and it's it starts with what you're trying to do on both sides of the ball, really, because you know you look at defensively. You want to talk about something that was jarring. I mean, the the fact that they're being driven off the ball yeah. relentlessly early in the game is jarring, and because you're not used to seeing that from Michigan's defenses, but you're then you think about it for a second, and you're like. All right, well, Devin Bush is in the NFL, in the NFL. Chase Winovich is in the NFL. Rashawn Gary's in the NFL. Um, you know, and you're like, okay, that's three of your front seven who are pretty big dudes who can all run. And you look at some of the stuff that happened on Saturday, and you say, there's countless. I can go back and look. There's countless plays. Like a great example, and I think it was in the second quarter, there's a play where it's just a, it's man coverage, and Wisconsin's running a little out, out to the fullback. That's all it is. And it's the middle linebacker's read, and he's got to go cover the fullback. And it's like a four-yard out. And Jordan Anthony's in there for Josh Ross, who I think was banged up. And Anthony's playing for the first time really ever, for like the second game ever in his career. And he hesitates for a minute, and then he tries to get down the line and get over there, and he kind of arm tackles him, and the guy breaks an arm tackle, and it's like a 35-yard game. Mm-hmm. If that's Devin Bush, it's probably an incomplete pass because he's yeah. probably leveling the guy, or it's a sack because he's on that guy, and, and Jack Cohn says, I can't throw it there. So I don't know what to do, and I'm going to get sacked. When you take those mistake erasers out of a defense and replace them with guys who are either younger and not ready for that or are just, flat, frankly, not as talented, you face issues. And when Michigan plays the, plays the way it does, Wisconsin said, players said after the game, once we once we figured out after we repped all their different blitzes and looks, once we, once we showed them that you're not going to get those on us today, uh, they stopped running them, and they just sat in a base, and we just beat the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that level of NFL skill – to erase mistakes, uh, a lot of that shows up. You know, Aiden Hutchinson is a, I think, is going to be a very good player at Michigan someday. He looked like a sophomore on Saturday. He got mm-hmm. pushed off the ball quite a bit. Josh Ross, I think, has a chance to be good. He's got to get healthy, but he did not have a great day uh, in the middle of the defense. Jordan Glasgow had some issues as well. Quiddy Pay had some issues as well. So the front seven in general, Carl Kemp, they're not of the ilk that we just saw last year. And mm-hmm. you know, when they replenished. A defense that lost everything in 16, they replenished it with first-round picks. And that's not what they're doing today. So defensively, there's a talent drop-off. And that's up to Don Brown now to figure out how to get around that. Because, I mean, this idea that they were faster than any defense they've ever had is just totally mind-blowing to me because Devin Bush is the fastest linebacker they've ever had here. <laughs> so that's automatically like, there's no way that's going to be the case. So there's that. Um, and then offensively, you know, it's... I don't think it's a lack of talent offensively because you brought back quality linemen who are just you know out of out of whack here, um, and I just can't square the Nico Collins. Every time he caught a pass in the fourth quarter, I was like, well, this is just more of an indictment on <laughs> on what they're what they're not doing because this is there pretty much all game, you know. And if and if they're gonna, you should have Nico Collins to a point through the third game where teams are bracketing him mm-hmm. to where. Tariq Black or Donovan Peoples-Jones are singled up all game because mm-hmm. teams are so worried or McCune or somebody is running free because teams are like, we can't let this guy get one-on-one with our 
5'11 defensive back because he is going to beast him. Mm-hmm. And they're going to hit that thing seven times on us and we're not going to win the game. That is so far from being the case that teams are now probably just being like, well, if they're not going to look at him, then we're not going to do anything with him and we're just going to ignore him. Uh, you know, that's the stuff to me where we go back to the beginning where it's like, you know, you're not taking advantage of your personnel. You're trying to force an offense that you thought was pretty cool into a situation or something. Not pretty cool, but an offense that, you know, would open yourself up for more things rather than now it's like you're, but you're ignoring your talent. So you're, you're trying to do two different areas. You're not letting your best players be your best players and, and that's the result you get. Yeah, I think the play that stuck out to us both at the time and again looking back at it was the play where... Nico Collins' defender falls down. He's running wide open down the field, uh, and and the ball goes in double coverage right. to Ronnie Bell. And you know, a that's a coaching issue, first and foremost. Yeah, uh, quarterback issue too. Yeah, and, you know. and yes, yeah. yeah. So some, you know, I I would love to be in the room when when they yeah. you know when they dissect that play and to hear like you know, what exactly went wrong there and and how do they fix that? Uh, I did want to go back real quick to the defense because I, I thought that was, you know, maybe a, uh, a, a part of this game that I think that was the part of the game that was the biggest surprise. To yeah. Me because really I, exposing situation. Yeah, Cause yeah. I, I think that, that there was a thought that, yeah, Michigan's offense has some stuff to work through. It's going to take them some time. Uh, but this defense is good enough that they will be able to carry this team until the offense really starts to click. Obviously, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could sense, you know, a, just a, a, a slight undercurrent of, you know, well, the defense didn't even really give the offense a chance to right. get into a rhythm because all of a sudden you're down 14 nothing or 21 nothing. Then you can't really run your offense anymore. No. Uh, how surprised were we by that defensive performance? And I guess the follow-up on that, looking back, there's kind of been that game mm-hmm. for Don Brown's defenses every, year. every yep. year. Like there's one game, whether it's Ohio State or Penn State, yeah. where they get destroyed. But then you look at where they end up, and for the season, they yeah, look because, they look really good because they held Rutgers to negative twenty five yards. It, exactly. You know? And it's yeah. just like I mean, it's like, but when when he needed it, it just it's it's been a common criticism of him for a while now. And you know, in this case, in some cases, like the Ohio State game, there was a lot of scheme issues. Um, and a lot of lying to yourself or not being honest with yourself where it was like, you know, they went into that game underestimating how fast Ohio State was and overestimating how fast they were and not adjusting accordingly. Mm-hmm. It was an arrogant kind of miscalculation in some ways uh, that I still can't square. That was one where I still don't understand it. Um, the Penn State one, you're playing with a bunch of young guys and they have Saquon Barkley and a lot of dudes, you get run off the field. I get it. Mm-hmm. This is one where... Um, now I start to wonder, okay, well, how many dudes do you have? Because mm-hmm. that's my that's what I left that that game, you know, kind of wondering in my mind. Like mm-hmm. we knew the defensive tackle situation was thin, and boy, do we ever know it now because it ain't there at all, uh, at all. Uh, the middle linebacker situation is not resolved at all. It is nowhere. I mean, the drop off from what you had is massive now. I mean, it just looks huge, uh, and and all that cu- coupled together. You know, it's taken away some of your aggressiveness. You're not getting much on the, you know, much in, in terms of pass rush. I mean, they really didn't get the cone. He didn't throw it that many times, but they didn't really get to him much. Um, and so it just becomes this thing where every little area now gets magnified. And, and if guys can't make above themselves, you know, play above themselves, so to speak, um, it's not going to work. And so 
it's a little bit like you're asking guys to do something that they're maybe not capable of. Like you're asking Ben mm-hmm. Mason to stand in there and take on gaps that he's not capable of taking on. You're asking Carlo Kemp to kind of do the same thing. He's just not at that level as a player. Um, Hutchinson is the best you've got at defensive end there, and he's a young guy who, again, I think he's going to be really good here, but against Wisconsin, it's hard. I mean, it's not easy, and that's people like, oh, Rashawn Gary's not doing his job, blah, blah, blah. i got to tell you guys, I don't think Rashawn Gary had gotten washed out five times or three or four times like that. I mean, it's just like it's a young guy trying to find himself, and you're mm-hmm. – and you're asking things of guys now where it's like you got to adjust. And I think that's, you know, somebody asked Don Brown a couple weeks ago, what do you think, what do you say to people who say you don't have enough to combat somebody like Wisconsin along the interior? He said, he said that's a bunch of crap. And, of course, what, what are you supposed to say, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, like internally, you got to start understanding that now. You have to mm-hmm. be honest with yourself and what your team can and can't do. And so many coaches, and maybe that's just the bravado thing, I don't know, but there's so many coaches I feel like they just don't do that. They just, mm-hmm. they're not honest with themselves. Like sometimes it's like, hey, we're not very good in this spot, so let's find a way to get around it, you know? And, and that's kind of the thing defensively that I look at and say, I mean, they know more about it than I do, but it's like you got to find ways to combat or to f- overcome some of the deficiencies you have because this isn't a perfect unit. This is not mm-hmm. an NFL-laden unit right now. Maybe some guys that will get there, but they're younger, uh, but it's not there yet, and um, it's one that's going to have to grow and kind of replace talent. Yeah, I think what we saw is Wisconsin was just a terrible matchup for this defense because right. it, it is a fast defense. You know, yeah, yeah, they're not it's, slow. It's the fastest or whatever, but yeah. they're fast. They're small yeah. and they're fast. And uh, it was almost like Wisconsin was you know was was taking advantage of that uh, by you know getting Michigan to be a little bit undisciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, overrun a play, over pursue a play, cut it back. You yeah. hit a big one. Right. You know, I don't know how many times. I don't know if this yeah, was by, yeah. by design or what, but it's like Carlo Kemp was. <clears throat> You know, standing behind oh, Jonathan yeah, yeah. Taylor, they killed him the with the draw play. Watching it was him over and over. Yeah, great example of that. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe you know, maybe we'll see that even out as mm-hmm. as Michigan starts to play some of the other teams in the Big Ten, which you yeah. know are going to do different things than what Wisconsin wants to do, but uh, they, they don't want to see that matchup again. That no. was a bad. And match. look, it's fair to say, hey man, you guys just got beat by what could be a really good team, mm-hmm. um, and that's sometimes that's just going to happen. Yeah. But the but the thing we talk about here is that this is supposed to not always happen. You know, at some point right. you have to be able to go in there and and take the game. Like I, I mean, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of people. I mean, not not a lot, but I heard some people tell me after what we wrote on Saturday. You know, like oh, you're being too harsh. But maybe Wisconsin was just really good. I'm like, okay, well, when are when is Michigan going to be yeah that good mm-hmm. to go just say no? We're not. That's not happening today. Mm-hmm. We're coming into your place, and we are not going to let you just shove us all over the field. That opening drive defensively was horrible. I mean, yeah. that 12-play, 11-play, 75-yard drive where it was just like four yards, four yards, five yards, six yards, seven yards, you know, whatever. And it's just like, dear God. I mean, <laughs> like some of the guys had alluded to like, well, you know, once Mason fumbled the ball, uh, you know, everything kind of re- re- wheels came off there. And I'm like, uh, well, what about that first drive? Because yeah. you guys just got shoved into the parking lot on the first <laughs> drive. Like, I mean, so let's not just gloss that over because that was, you know, 28 nothing, man. I mean, mm-hmm. the offense isn't, isn't doing its job, of course, but my goodness, like, you can't just get... There was They had, what, they forced one punt in the first half? Um, and it was when Wisconsin... Yeah, it was after the turnover, yeah. It was, was, when, the was one the, time Wisconsin decided to throw it on first throw, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but every other time, it was just like, there's no way. I mean, like, if they got the ball on their own three, they're going 97 yards here, you know? I mean, it was yeah. just, there was nothing they could do. And so it's soul-searching on Jim Harbaugh's part, of course, because you got to get everybody on the same page, but I mean, it's soul searching on every coordinator, position coach, whatever, 
every level because the team wasn't prepared to play football. The talent discrepancy between Wisconsin and Michigan is not 35 to nothing. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Okay. Like there's, there's people I've read today that said, well, I question if Harbaugh's team has enough talent. I am not on that train yet. I mm-hmm. don't think that that's the case. Not 35 nothing. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe some of the talent gets overblown. Maybe they're not as talented as they've been. Maybe they don't have enough talent to yeah. win a game like that when they sure. play bad. Because right. some teams are talented Fair. enough to play bad and yeah. win, and Michigan's yeah. not there. They're certainly not that. But, but they're not that absent of talent that yeah. they should be down 28 nothing against any team not named Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State <laughs> yeah. anywhere in the country. That's just not the case. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it all comes back to the dude at the top. And um, that's why it's super interesting because, hey, man, in the NFL – when you have to go through something like this and you say, I got to change how I'm doing things, you got all week to do it. You got those guys unlimited. Mm-hmm. You got unlimited time with them all day long. You can work them, do whatever you want to do to them, make them mad, whatever you want to do. You have three hours with them. Yeah. You know, in college. Point. It's a very different situation and it is being able to read the room, it's mm-hmm. being able to manage younger people and. And that, above all else, is right is right now where I'm where I question: Does Jim Harbaugh have that ability right now? The same ability that he appeared to have when he was at Stanford, does he have it anymore? And um, you know, when he was at Stanford, he left Stanford in 2010, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Society changes, kids change, things change. You got to go with, you got to roll with it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, it just isn't, uh, it's not clicking. And you know, that's for him to just, to find out and figure out. And you know, because I, I thought about it, right? It's like, well, what? What would him going in there yesterday or today and like throwing chairs all over the room and being like a, you know, bat out of hell and screaming, you know, what would that accomplish? Because I really thought about that. I'm like, yeah. what would that, that what would that accomplish to a, a group of kids that clearly isn't, aren't on the same page with him mentally anyway? Mm-hmm. You had all the fall camp. You had a bye week before this game to prepare yourself for all this stuff. You didn't do it. And now you're going to come in and scream and yell at everybody? Like, I don't know if that's even the answer. Because I saw people today, well, I need him to be fiery. I need him to throw a fit and blah, blah, blah. I'm like... I don't know what throwing a fit at this point would do. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe you start throwing your fits now, and then you make that a constant for the rest of the year. Maybe that's one way to go. But yeah, it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's been accused of you know coming off as kind of nonchalant yeah. or you know maybe a little bit emotionally vacant sometimes right. when you hear him talk. I thought he struck the right tone. Yeah, you know, at his at his news conference in terms of looking inward. Uh, and he what, did all what, of it. Yeah, yeah, what that is worth. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but at least you know, I, I did think he came across as uh, as more perceptive uh, and more in tune with how people were feeling about things than he has in the past. Yes. Who knows what that means? Yeah, and it was very interesting because it's like you know, I think he got asked. You know, a lot of people are upset. <laughs> a lot of people are upset. Some former players are upset. I always find the former player thing interesting because it's like, well, what do you think Jim Harbaugh is? Uh, I don't yeah. know. You know, it's like. But in any event, I mean, he kept saying the whole football world saw it. Uh-huh. I can't hide from it. It was embarrassing. It was not my proudest day. And really, it was. It was him taking it all on himself. And how? what else can you do there? Yeah. You know, and it was, like, I think a lot of times over the years, and that's why it was a little bit different, because a lot of times over the years we've seen after a game like that, you look at it and you say, it's pretty obvious what happened here. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like most coaches, i got to watch the tape. i got to figure out, you know. And then he'll come back two days later and kind of be like, well, it wasn't as bad as you guys are acting like it is. Mm-hmm. And today it was like, well, yeah. no, yeah, it's every bit as bad as you guys said it was. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it was horrible and yeah, we got to fix it. So I can say from experience, that's the kind of thing that works once. 
You, That's what I was just going to say. I thought you, about that when we were there. You, you go got one of, time yeah. to do that. Go in yeah. front of the media one time and say, yeah. guys, this one's on me. I suck. My fault. Yeah, I'm right. going to fix it. And if you fix it, everybody's yeah. like, good for you. Yeah. You come back three weeks later Boy, and say, right, guys, yeah. this one's on me. Everybody's like, heard that before. We know. Which is <laughs> <laughs> just like, so, yeah. I mean, you can only say, yeah, boy, I sucked that day one time. Uh, and then people start to get sick and tired of it. So well, people are already sick and tired of not delivering in those games. And it's not like, and again, I don't get the sense that Michigan's this horrible, broken program that's not going to ever, you know, I mean, they're they're still capable of winning, you know, nine games, ten games, I think. Um, I guess they could go differently, of course, if they don't. That's the problem, the, the issue they're facing today. So if you don't get some of that fixed right now, you're looking at seven or six. Mm-hmm. But if you do get those fixed, you're still looking at maybe nine, eight, eight to ten. But are you, but the problem is still there. I mean, they're so far away now, it seems, from the problem that needs to be solved. They're going in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be fascinating to see how they get, I mean, what they can do to get out of it. Because, yeah, again, when has there been a time where Michigan's gone into a game in the Harbauer and just stole one? Where you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. they played above their heads that day and yeah. they got it done. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it hasn't happened. They've done exactly what Las Vegas says they're supposed to do, like every <laughs> single game, yeah. and it never changes. And it's just, like you said, College football is the most unpredictable sport we watch, you uh-huh. know, and sometimes that stuff just happens on accident. Northwestern <laughs> yeah. won the Big Ten West by accidentally beating teams like four times last year. I mean, it just happens, yeah. and they've never had that ability to do that, and it's just, it is what it is. It's also the I, it's also the pressure you face when every time you play a team, you get their best shot, and mm-hmm. that's part of, that's the Urban Meyer life in the big city quote. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things. It's the, that's life in the big city. You want to play here, you want to coach here, that's what you're going to have to put up with, and um, you're not going to get anybody you know, rolling down or, or taking it easy on you any day. So it's not going to get any easier. Yeah. All right, folks, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll see where Michigan goes from here. Either way, I think uh, I think the rest of this season is going to be pretty fascinating. Yeah. So thank you for uh, listening to the podcast, uh, subscribing on iTunes. Thank you for subscribing to The Athletic. We will be back on Thursday with our subscriber show. Until then, thanks for listening. Hey there, listeners. Nick Baumgartner here. We're excited to share some big news with you. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead, so subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. Also, check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on the lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, 
home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The Lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Oh, what a The Lead. Sports up close.